Okay, what's up my guys? I'm Feño from the fight side. This is the full preview. We're doing a, a quick version, a fast version, a speedrun version of it. We're going to talking about we're going to be talking about UFC 283. Uh, it has two title fights, it's the first uh, pay-per-view of the year. So it is okay actually. I was expecting worse, but the matchmaking is pretty solid. Um it gets a little bit rough on the top, surprisingly. surprisingly. Uh, it's main evented by Glover, Te Glover Teixeira versus Yamaha Hill for the vacant uh, UFC 205 title after they decided that neither like Blachowicz or neither Blachowicz or Ankalaev deserved the, the title after their last fight. And the co-main event is Davidson Figueredo versus uh, Brandon Moreno for the fourth time. So that's that's something. Yeah, one of these fights clearly better than the other, but one of these fights we already seen three times. But yeah, let's let's get into the fights. Let's check my notes here. Um, as usual, we're doing topology, bottom to top. So pretty quick here. Let me go into topology. It's UFC 283 in Brazil, by the way. So a lot of Brazilian fighters on this card, a lot of contender series, a lot of LFA, and a lot of the time both. Uh, but the talent pool is okay. I won't be complaining too much. Let's get into the first fight. It's Bantamweight. You know, you cannot go wrong with Bantamweight. So we have um, a contender series alumni fight. Here is Daniel Marcos from Peru against Simon Oliveira, the Brazilian. So let's talk about Marcos. Um, he's mostly like a Japan low kick kind of guy. He looks to lean back and counter with long punches. That's like his, his thing. He's pretty much a boxer that low kicks. Uh, he's pretty decent at pairing attacks together and playing off of the reactions. He's always like uh, trying to see like what way you're sleeping if you're backing up and he he puts together combinations based on that reactions. He's pretty good at mounting offense. Uh, has pretty good hand speed. Uh, kicks pretty hard. Uh, the thing with Marcos is that he doesn't like pressure. He has trouble maintaining pace, even when he's winning. Like on uh, his contender series fight, he was like on the on the pilot seat the whole fight, and still got pretty tired at the end. His opponent was very tough, but he had uh, complete control of the fight. Uh, the technical defense is pretty good. He's actually very decent at, at looking for underhooks and turning with his hips, uh, not being flat. So, so yeah, that's good. Simon Oliveira, on the other hand, uh, he's like this upright stance guy, like in the mode of Charles Oliveira. Uh, hides behind the high guard a lot. He kicks a lot, and and when the opponent backs up, uh, he looks for like spinning attacks, uh, a lot of spinning back fists, spinning kicks. And he also likes to close this and with flying knees, he's like very wild. Um, he swings wild, but he has decent trigger from counter. So if you attack, he's going to throw back at you. And uh, he has decent power on uh, his punches. Uh, he rushes entries into the clinch a lot, but he has strong, uh, strong takedowns from the body lock. So yeah, I mean, he's like on that, I I'm not sure if he's shooter box, but he's pretty much on that Oh, he's Astra fighting, so yeah, those guys have cross-trained a little bit, but yeah. Uh, he's like on that, like, Charles Oliveira, like, at home <laughs> kind of mode, but he's pretty good. And the cardio is crazy because he he's all big movements and he can keep up that pace for three rounds. I think Marcos probably will have a very decent edge in striking on this one. Oliveira is not a good pressurer, but he has the pace and cardio to make things interesting, especially late, uh, especially if he can start surprising Marcos with his big movements and the takedowns, especially when Marcos uh, tires. Uh, still, I believe Marcos will outbox him uh, pretty comfortably for at least two rounds, and I think he will survive if things get sketchy on the on the third round. So um, my pick here is Marcos by decision. Moving on to the next one. We have, oh yeah, 
Okay, so we have Jose Nunes versus Sarah Fern. Uh, this is a woman's featherweight in the division that doesn't exist. Uh, but still, I mean, Nunes, I like Nunes. Uh, she's like a, a compact softball that relies a lot on the overhand left. Uh, but she's she has some versatility with it. Uh, she can double with it and also goes to the body. She, she goes quite often with the straight left to the body, which I like. Um, he, she moves her head decently enough, I would say, and she finds counters of the head movement. Um, she has a mechanically functional jab, but she mostly uses it for, for setting up the, the left hand. She kicks the, the legs very hard, and from open stance that's very interesting, like she, she hits the, the inside of the thigh a lot. And, and when you go for other for takedowns, she has very very strong underhooks. Uh, her problem is that, uh, she, especially when she extends combinations, she can get wild, and her feet are a bit, are a bit of, of a mess. Uh, so she can get she can get uh, taken down on those on those instances. But she's very athletic. She has huge power. And on the other hand, we have Sarah Fern. Uh, she's a stiff, tall striker, I would describe. Uh, she proves behind the left hand, like not really a jab, like just probing and looking for the big right. Uh, she also has like big power, she's a big girl. Uh, when she gets caught, it clinches. Uh, she mostly looks to frame with the, with the forearm against the face. That's like her thing and you try to use her, her big leverage. She's pretty tall. And uh, she seems to be pretty much a boy on the ground, like she was she was submitted by Megan Anderson without much resistance. Uh, I think Nunez should win this, like she's a better striker. She can probably take Fern down if she wants, if she wants to. Uh, Fern has power, but I mean Nunez also has power, so yeah. And she's not special, she's not pretty good at using her distance either. And I think uh, we saw Nunez fighting like taller opponents. Uh, especially like Bia Maleki that it's just a sauce fern and I would say a better fighter and she got like put out by Nunez so my pick is Nunez by TKO in the second round and next one we move to men's welterweight it's Warley Alves versus Nicolas Dalby so Alves, Alves is uh, like a well-rounded fighter uh, he has pretty good jab. I mean, the, the jab, like mechanically special, is pretty decent. Uh, but he doesn't like build up, build a lot out of it. Uh, he mostly uses it to set up the right hand. He has good variety, but favors the overhand and the uppercut with the with the rear hand. So he's pretty pretty tricky with with the change up of those two. Uh, he has a huge uh, left body kick, and. I can kick the legs from from both sides, like going inside and outside with both legs. He's a pretty competent wrestler, I would say. Especially offensively, he, I would say he's better than defensively. And grappling, um, he's pretty solid for top position. He has a wicked guillotine. Like the guillotine is very good. You usually to submit Kobe Covington back in the day, but but it's actually actually pretty good. Um, the thing with Alves is that I think uh, he can get like inside his head or gas when he's not having like control of the fight. I, I think he's a bit of a head case. I think he's pretty talented, uh, but he's not consistent at all because of it. And on the other hand, we have Dalby that is very consistent. Uh, Dalby fights out of like a bouncy karate stance. Uh, she changes stances and kicks well from both sides. Uh, but he does most of his actually good damage on the clinch, especially with knees and top position with very decent ground pound. The thing with Dalby is he's always in great shape. He has very good cardio. He weaponizes his pace. Uh, he doesn't push like an insane pace, but you you know he he will be there still pushing on the third round when when fights when other fighters starts to start to tire. Um, the thing, the problem with Dalby, I would say that he's not a very good finisher. Despite him taking over fights, uh, he's not very good at putting damage together. I think he should be more like proactive about looking for the clinch because that's where he's most dangerous, I would say. Uh, said that, I would say this could be a classic Dalby fight and one of those in which he takes over from the second round on. 
And Elvis has been susceptible to that in the past. I mean, ju I just said he's a bit of a headcase. But I do think that Elvis uh, does have the tools to trouble Dalby. Especially with the leg kicks. Uh, as I said, uh, Dalby with the open stance uh, karate thing. And uh, the takedowns. I mean, Dalby is good. Has is a decent grappler. Uh, has the cardio, but the takedown defense is not quite there. I think if Alves puts together a, a good performance on this one, he should win. I think Dalby is the more consistent guy. I understand picking Dalby, but I think Alves has the tools. He can like not get overwhelmed early, and that's where he loses like composure. So I think Alves by decision on this one sounds good to me. We're moving on to lightweight. A very interesting fight this one is Terence McKinney versus Ismael Bonfim. So McKinney, the, the thing is he's long, he's awkward, and he's a super dynamic wrestler with big power. Uh, very capable top, from top position actually. And very good at taking the back. Especially when he creates scrambles, he's very athletic, he can get to the back. Uh, actually very decent about finishing the rear naked choke uh, on the feet uh, he likes like living and living in with like big knees uh, huge punches like he's very athletic he doesn't have much of a process but he has very like good timing and a good eye for openings so he's very very dangerous um the cardio is a little bit suspect, especially because he does like big movements all the time. But even then, like he starts fading away in fights, even when he's winning, and and his defense is like not there. Like most of his defense is like about spacing and and shooting for takedowns. Other than that, like he doesn't have like a system of head movement or good parries or or anything like that. Uh, Bonfino, on the other hand, he's like a stocky boxer with hard leg kicks. Um, he walks people down behind the jab and, and waits with the, hard, with the high guard for opportunities to sleep and counter in combinations. And he's very good at it. Like he will sleep to the side, go left to the body, left go to the head and finish up with the right hand. And he puts like very good boxing combinations on the counter, but he needs to really have the timing for that. Uh, he stays pretty low on his stance, so seems to be good defending takedowns. Didn't see him like fight a lot of like competent wrestlers, and that's the big problem on this one. I think Bonfim for sure has the style to complicate or even beat McKinney. He's the better striker for sure. Uh, Bonfim has good cardio, and he himself goes to the body super hard. As I said, he's a good puncher, and McKinney gasses. So yeah, that would that would be like the the winning condition for him. The problem is that I haven't seen him face this level of wrestling and athleticism because McKinney is a bit of a monster. Uh, if it goes long, Bonfim probably takes it, but if I have to pick, I'm picking McKinney by early submission. So McKinney by round one. We're moving on to Bantamweight. Uh, it's Luan Lacerda versus Cody Stayman. Uh, so Lacerda is a Novo Niao alum. Uh, he's uh, mostly a grappler, but he has this striking uh, from open space. The problem is that the defense can fall apart during prolonged exchanges. You can tell that he's not very comfortable there. It's all like pressure too. Uh, but he's like he's like meat and potatoes, but he stays like very composed. Um, he stays calm and can reset if things can get ugly. Um, he has a very decent jab. Breaks uh, it well with leg kicks. Looks to counter with the check hook is but like he's like very well schooled as you would expect from a, a fighter from Nova Uniao. Uh, his thing is that uh, he has very quick level changes into single legs, especially like uh, he can, he have like different finishes for the for the single leg, and also like if the if the takedown is not like going his way, he can look to he can drop to half guard and work from there. Uh, or create like leg entanglements, look for for leg locks and that kind of stuff. Uh, he has very good transitions on the ground, uh, especially with the front head lock and the back take. That's where he's as, as his most dangerous. As I said, like he's a submission artist. Uh, he has the solid wrestling and the solid striking. He's like classic Novo Niao grappler. He's he's dangerous and he's well put together. The same man on the other hand is very athletic. He's a more I would describe as a mobile wrestler boxer with taekwondo kicks. Um, uh, Stayman like 
likes to find the spots. Um, he likes to like reset here and there and find find his strikes, find his timing. Um, but he's versatile. I mean, he can push forward, try to pressure, and he can secure on the outside. And he's he's very functional, uh, doing both stuff. Um, Simon is also like good at playing off reactions. Like he would lift a leg, see the reaction, try to attack with a punch, that kind of stuff. And it's very, very hard to to take down, and and very good scrambler, or uh, very good like, very decent at setting up the takedowns with the punches too. Like he's a, a well put together wrestling boxer with a wrestling background. Um, I think Lacerda can probably find spots on the feet because Stayman likes to reset so much and take breaks, but I'm not sure he can get. Same on, on the positions to take advantage of the grappling that I think he needs to win this one. Um, as I said, the, the, he has a quick shot into the single leg that can get sketchy even for a wrestler. But can't count on that on this one. I think Stamon by, by decision, he's more comfortable in striking exchanges. He's a better wrestler. I think he has the advantages here. We're moving up all the way up to heavyweight. Is Jailton Almeida versus Shamil Abdurakimov? So you know Almeida, like hyper athletic, strong. Uh, he's a very committed wrestler. Uh, usually attacks the legs. Uh, like he likes to back up the opponent with front kicks and that kind of stuff. And then shooting for the legs. Uh, but he also has like strong finishes from from clinches. Not sure if those will work out as well at heavyweight, but. There, there. Uh, maybe it's a, a little bit raw on the feet, but he has like very good and strong kicks, and has like good mind to look for counters and striking transitions. So that's there. Like the depth is not there, but he has good feeling for striking. I would say. Chamil, uh, on the other hand, uh, he has a Santa background. Um, he's actually pretty good. I I like Chamil. Uh, he likes to lead a lot with right hands. Uh, he's a good jabber, but he like he leads a lot with right hands and then then throws the left after that with uppercuts and left hooks. Uh, he sometimes shifts into the left hand when the other when the opponent is backing up. Uh, he's also like pretty good when people rush on him, like to catch collar ties and answer with uppercuts, very strong uppercuts with from collar ties. Uh, the thing with Chamil is always that he's very good at catching kicks, like the one of the few people, especially at heavyweight, like the best guy at catching kicks and he's actually pretty good at it. I think if Jamil was younger, uh, this could be interesting because he has solid technical defense. <clears throat> uh, he has boxing fundamentals, he has the ability to catch kicks that Almeida likes to do. And all of that could be troublesome for Almeida, but he's 41 years old. He has been looking slower, more frail. So yeah, I mean, it comes to that for me. I expect Almeida to get the takedown that he wants early and win the fight from there. So I'm picking Almeida by submission, round number one. Next fight is at welterweight. We have the brother of Ismail Bonfim, is Gabriel Bonfim, against Munir Lasses. So Bonfim. Um, He's a bit similar in the sense that he also likes to like walk down people with the jab, uh, but instead of uh, slipping into like hooks and that kind of stuff, uh, he's all about like leaning back and trying to catch you with the check hook, and then he puts combinations to get together of that. I'd seen him sleep and whip, but uh, he defaults a lot to the to the lean back check hook, unlike his brother that likes a lot to like sleep forwards and catch you in the body. Uh, Bonfim likes to draw counters with the jab a lot, then fade back, return with fast combos. He can also like do the, the fade back or right hand. He's good at that. And the thing I like is that he always counters in combination. Uh, has pretty good hand speed too. I think he, when he has tense combinations, his head tends to stay in the on the center line. Uh, from defense, other than leaning back, he likes a lot of parrying. So I'm not sure how that pairs like with someone that is like a good head kicker or something like that. Uh, Lasses, on the other hand, uh, he's like, he likes to stay like pretty close to the opponent and then he faints a lot. 
looking for defensive reactions to set up his stacks. Uh, he has very good eyes and he's like very creative. He has a lot of variety in his attack. Uh, he has a good job, but what he wants really is always like openings for combinations. Uh, he can put pretty good combinations together too, like he can box to the body, finish upstairs and then find find kicks if your reactions lead him that way. He also looks for a lot of knees and elbows from opponent's pace. Not always works, but the variety is always appreciated. Uh, Lassens is uh, not very deep defensively. Like he has good reflexes and he can slip a punch here and there. But when things like getting prolonged exchanges, I think I see his head also staying the center line a lot. Uh, and also when he starts putting combinations together, especially going to the head that he doesn't have like the, the schooling to do the, the sleep one way, sleep the other way. So, so yeah, I mean, this fight should be uh, an exciting scrap on the field. Like both guys have similar flaws and somewhat similar styles. I think Lasses has uh, more variety and a better right for a better right for openings. Uh, Bonfin, I think, is has like a better process overall. But the thing with Bonfin is that I think he can get figured out because he does the same thing a lot. Um, he starts very sharp, so he's very dangerous early. But I think if the fight goes deep, I mean, Lasses has experience against this level of opposition, and he's also like pretty decent cardio. Uh, figure can figure stuff out even though he doesn't like build up the offense he's a very moment-to-moment -moment guy but even in those moments he can find good openings with his variety um but yeah this one should be fun i'm picking munir assess by decision next fight is as lightweight is tiago moises versus melchizal costa so Costa, uh, Costa is very aggressive. He attacks the body and the head constantly with punches and kicks. Uh, he has good front kicks to the body. He's a salvo, by the way. Uh, he can put his head together with, uh, for combinations, especially uh, if guys start like shelling up. Um, he turns up the pressure, especially if the opponent is willing to concede ground. He will he will start like chasing you around the cage and putting combinations together, going to the body. That's very good. Um, on the defense, he defaults a lot to the check hook, uh, but it's a it's a good punch. He he punches hard. He has some pop. Has good timing, and not a lot of depth. Other than that, the takedown defense is pretty suspect, I would say. But he's pretty good at targeting to get back his feet, and he's also like doesn't accept the the bottom position. He scrambles pretty quickly to his feet. And on the other hand, we have Moises. Uh, Moises is athletic, stocky. Uh, the striking is pretty meat and potatoes, like all the classic strikes that you expect, like jab, the two, the three, the low kicks, body kicks, uh, pretty pretty powerful with the body kicks. Uh, Moises has pretty decent pop, he doesn't have like the depth of striking to put together like knockouts very often, but he can he can crack. Uh, I like that he has like good triggers for counters with the two and the three, uh, especially because he doesn't default to just one, so he can get unpredictable there. Uh, Moises has like pretty good level changes into single legs. Single single legs are like his things. Um, he has like very different. Uh, he has quite a few finishes from there. He can run the back. He can con convert into double. Uh, he can push you against the cage and look for the high crush. Uh, he can reshoot and create grappling situations, especially if you sprawl. And he's good at catching front headlocks from there, and also like leg entanglements. Uh, he's pretty good at going for heel hooks and knee bars and that kind of stuff, just off scrambles. Uh, he's also solid uh, with the back control, very good. Uh, he finished his last fight with a standing rear naked choke and the, that back take was pretty impressive. I think uh, if this one stays on the feet, uh, this should be a fun striking effort. Costa, I would say, is more comfortable and polished as a striker, but Moise is pretty powerful in game. But the thing is that I eventually I feel like Moises will find a takedown. Because Costa, the thing is that he turtles a lot and that's fine against some opponents, not so fine against others. And I think that's not one thing that you should rely against a solid back taker like Moises. So yeah, um, I think Moises catches a submission on round number two on this one. And we're moving up to middleweight. 
is Robocop Gregory Rodriguez versus Bruno Fejera. So Rodriguez, he's stiff, but he's powerful and he stays disciplined with his combinations and keeps a very aggressive pace. Uh, the hip movement can be worrisome, especially in the pocket, but because he uh, during combination he doesn't move his head a lot. But he stays tight technically and keeps throwing, so it's not as easy to beat him in the pocket, especially because he has like big power, has good chin, he has good cardio. Like the the pace can get out of hands for him during wars because he's very very aggressive fighter. And we've seen him gas in the past, but usually the other fighter is also very gas and he knows how to fight tired. Uh, other than that, Rodriguez is a decent wrestler, like both on the clinch with throws, like I don't know if he has a judo background, but he's very good at like doing wizard kicks and that kind of stuff. But also like pretty decent shooting in open space, like he has the, the double leg in the back pocket. And from top position, he's a very dominant grappler. Uh, he's a very decorated jiu-jitsu player actually. And, and the thing is that he has both uh, the ground pound and the submission, so you're pretty much like kind of fucked when you find yourself underneath Rodriguez. The thing is that he doesn't go to the wrestling very often, he likes to bang a lot. So a lot of the fights just become a mess because he starts exchanging. He has a... I think uh, there's deep inside there's a better fighter than we've seen, even though he's like on a big winning streak. Uh, I think Robocop could be a, a bit better if he had his priorities straight inside the cage. But I guess that's that's what makes him fun. Uh, Fajera, on the other hand, like he's like also like an he's I mean not not also Rodriguez pretty tall. He's like a stocky, powerful, um, mobile fighter. He's super wild though. Uh, he likes like to to change stances and kick very hard from both stances. He has pretty pretty good eye for openings when it comes to naked kicks. He's powerful with the hands, but he's very raw. You can tell he doesn't have like a, a well put together combination punching game. He mostly looks to close distance from the outside with boom movements. And if the opponent like uh, backs up, uh, he can follow them with like punches and kicks. Or if he they stay the ground, he can just like go back to open space. He has a bit of a process going on, but it's it's very raw. I think the Rodriguez commitment to combinations and the discipline. Uh, plus, he also is a big puncher. So it's not like Fejera is the only one punching hard on this one. I think it's too much for Fejera. Uh, he could surprise with the speed early. He seems to be sharp out of the gate, despite the, the technique being a bit wild. But I think Fejera is fighting outside of his level on this one. Uh, Rodriguez, my second round, knock, second round knockout. And now things get depressing. We have the last fight of one of my all-time favorites is Shogun. Mauricio Hua, he's fighting Ihor Poteria. Oh man. So Shogun. Shogun is very old and he's very shop-worn. He, he, he was shot when he was like 32 years old. But yeah, let's talk about Shogun. I think at this stage Shogun is still tricky. But he's too diminished physically. He can put good boxing combinations together if if the distance allows him that he has been trouble getting to the taller people in the light heavyweight division at his age. But he has actually like pretty decent like boxing combinations once he gets inside. Especially because he, he can get the head movement going and he can fight the left hook that it's a very good weapon late into his career. Uh, the overhand was always like his thing. Uh, from the outside, uh, when he's allowed to kick because Shogun has been like injured so often that sometimes he does not kick at all during fights. But lately he has been able to, and he has been like a pretty decent like calculated kicker, kicker from the outside. He plays with the leg and body change up a lot. And when people try to close on him, he still has like the cross counter and the check hook. There are like his weapons that timing might be a, a little bit off nowadays. And the thing with, I've been saying the thing with a lot during this podcast, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, the big flaw with current day Shogun, other than he's like a hundred years old, the thing is, 
I mean, he doesn't see the shots in prolonged exchanges. He doesn't have the reflexes and the reactions are, are not there. So if you can like just put combinations together, you can probably catch him. He's too old for, the, for this. And on the other hand, we have Pocheria. Um, he's pretty quick. Uh, he's a wide striker from Salpa. Um, likes the inside leg kick. And throws pretty hard with both hands. He's rangy. Uh, but he's like not a very big uh, like heavyweight. Uh, Potrera like blitzes a lot without maintaining space. That could be very dangerous against a good counter striker. But he has power. Uh, but also like Potrera can be stuck in the clinch. He's not much of a fighter there. Um, I would suspect that the grappling is not there either. I think five years ago, and Chogun was like pretty short five years ago, but. This would be like an interesting fighter between a guy that's raw and a guy that is a bit past it. Uh, Chobon, to this day, still has the tools to punish Poteria. Uh, he could counter the blitzes, he can kick with him on the outside, and he's probably a better grappler if there's like a takedown situation. But I think Chogun is too shopworn. Like, he cannot deal with someone young and quick. Pocheria has the speed and the power, and I think that will be enough. I'm picking Pocheria by first round knockout on this one. And it will be very depressing. And we're staying at 205. Is Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. Uh, let's see. Craig, he's pretty agile on the field. That's how I describe him. He's stiff with the hands, a lot of like one, two, like flurries, like not a lot of points. Uh, combination punching, but he's a pretty dexterous kicker to his credit. Uh, the big problem is defense. You know, mostly it's either the high guard or backing up. He has an okay shoot for the legs when it comes to takedowns. He can finish single legs and doubles, especially against the gauge. And he's pretty strong at, uh, at the body lock. The he does not have takedown entries though. So he he needs uh, the striking to work a little bit to back the opponents up to the cage. After grappler, that we all know Paul Craig is is a tricky grappler, especially from his back. Uh, he's very good at controlling wrist and attacking with the with the armbar triangle series from his back. But some guys have been able to to solve him from top position. Uh, see Shogun, for example. Uh, uh, you just have to be like aware of the wrist control or the leg entries. Um, he's also very good at generating scrambles from half guard. Um, he can use the lockdown or the deep half. And if he gets to the back, he's pretty strong. He can stretch people out. He has a rear naked choke. And he has pretty solid ground pound when he gets there. And on the other hand, we have the only guy that is more of a meme than Craig on the division is Johnny Walker. You know Johnny Walker, he's huge, he's athletic, he can generate a lot of power for very small spaces like on the clinch, round pound, defending against the cage. Uh, it's, he's all about like unpredictable huge movements on the feet and uh, that makes him very dangerous because he's wild, he's powerful. But that also leaves him open to being attacked and on the chin is not all that good. That's the main thing with Johnny Walker. Uh, the defensive wrestling, I would say, is kind of bad, but he's a decent grappler from the mat, and it's a wild card that he can run up on uh, so hard, even from his back, because it makes people like, think twice before making a movement on him. This is an absolute meme of a fight, man. I think Craig is better put together as a fighter, all things considered, but Walker will probably be like way more physically imposing inside the cage. Especially on the feet, I would say Walker is probably like a better striker just based on feel and power. Uh, this is a conflict for me, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Craig has shown a pretty decent chin. So I guess he finds a submission. And that's it. We're moving on to flyweight and it's Jessica Andrade versus Lauren Murphy. So Andrade, she's all about like walking down people and land like huge, the most huge stupid hooks you've ever seen. Uh, the, the 
Pressure in footwork is pretty decent. She's pretty good about like sidestepping and cutting angles diagonally. But uh, she doesn't use attacks to move her opponents into her shots. So she's all about like the threat of the striking, get you get your back against the cage and then strike. Um, she can fill the gaps a little bit with the leg kicks and the jab and has like big power in those. Everything she does has big power. She's incredibly physically strong. Like probably the strongest fighter in the division, despite being a former strawweight. And the thing is that she has also has good cardio and carries her power late. So physically, she's a monster, and she has a game that takes advantage of the of her physical attributes. Even though it's, it's a bit basic, she goes to the body big. She can find uppercuts when the hooks aren't working, for a little bit of variety. And against the cage, she can. <clears throat> she can slam you super hard. She can pick up basically anyone. And she has like a very tight guillotine too. So she's a pain in the ass for anyone. Except Valentina, I guess. And then on the other hand, we have Murphy. That is like a, a hard working fighter. She's a pretty well rounded wrestler boxer. She's physically strong herself and has good cardio too. So that's interesting. Uh, Murphy has decent pop on the jab. And she's good at putting together either the left hook of the or the overhand after the jab. And has pretty decent footwork. Uh, Murphy set up her takedowns well too, because she can she's she has decent boxing, so she can find like good timing for takedowns. And it's like a grindy chain wrestler if she needs to. Also, like she can like just stalk you in the clinch and look for knees and elbows. Uh, dirty boxing too. Murphy though is stiff in the pocket, like she doesn't move her head at all uh, during combinations or when she's not having the initiative. When she's initiating exchanges, you can tell she's like well schooled, she will look to sleep to one side, come to the other, but when the other fighter puts her under fire, she just stays there and that's where she's at her most uh, vulnerable. So yeah, I think Murphy has pop on her hands and the physical strength more than a lot of Pass and drive the opponent. And the cardio are like her cards that she should play on this one. The big problem for her is like not reacting well in the pocket, as I just said. Uh, she frees defensively, and you cannot do that against Andrade. Like she throws way too hard and it's too comfortable there. And I don't think Murphy is going to take her down, uh, not early, and the damage will be done when when it gets there. So yeah, I'm picking Andrade by second round knockout. That's my prediction. And we move to welterweight. Torino Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny, the king of the hypno clinch. So Burns, you know, he's a meat and potatoes guy, a, a functional Henry Hoof striker. He's jabbing low kick from the distance. Starts very sharp out of the gate. That's one thing that Burns has, especially with the cross counters and the and the counter left hooks. And then he can put combinations together well. Uh, but has trouble putting combinations again like taller, like longer fighters because uh, despite Burns is very good at covering distance, but once he starts combination, he can get he can like be stuck at a certain range. Uh, Burns is also always like constantly faking level changes and that aids with his pressure when he wants to pressure and he covers a lot of distance with his shots with the takedowns and one of the few like jiu-jitsu guys that are pretty actually good at finishing takedowns from his knees especially when he likes overshoots from way outside uh, he's also pretty strong against the gauge and he can look from for the single leg or the double leg there and uh, from top position, he's very smothering. That's the word that I would say for Burns. Uh, despite not being a very big welterweight, he's very heavy. He has good control, decent ground and pound, and he takes a lot of chances with submissions. He's very dangerous. Um, he's at his most dangerous with the back takes and, and the arm bars. He also has like very good setup for arm bars from the back takes. So he's super dangerous on the ground. Magni, on the other hand, fights at a high pace. He's very long behind the jab, he's super tall, we know that. He moves well on the outside, drowns people in the clinch, uh, where he's pretty good at landing knees and small punches. He's very annoying and then 
he catches you with like big shots, especially with the knees. Um, also, like very good at landing straight shots at people that are backing up. They don't expect to be with Magni as long as he is. So that's our like he has a a, a weird but pretty pretty well put together game. Uh, he's a decent kicker from the outside, but that has been troublesome because has exposed him to takedowns in the past. But the thing is, Magni like moves a lot, jabs, frustrates people. People try to close on him. He grabs the clinch, and he annoys the fuck out of people there. And makes good use of levers when he gets like the positions he wants on the clinch. He's pretty good from 50-50 that a lot of fighters just settle for. And, and it's good at cracking with the overhook, so he he makes people a lot of people very miserable on the clinch. I think Burns is one of the kind of fighters that you might think fall for Magnus tricks. Especially like getting jab at distance, looking for clinches in the terms he doesn't want to. And we've seen also like uh, Gilbert Burns getting tired in the past, lose grip of fights, like maybe lose a, a bit of confidence. So Magni has like a path to victory there. But Burns being a powerful kicker and a strong wrestler and a high level top player are like the historical recipe to beat Magni, you know? Now we've seen RDA, Ragmanov, like he has like the elements to like just wash Magni. I think if Magni survives without too much damage, uh, to drag the fight into deep waters, it could be interesting, but I don't think he'll be able to do that. I'm picking Burns by second round submission. And we move on to the first of two title fights on this one. It's the fourth encounter between Davis and Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno. So, Fig. We all know he's very, very athletic. He stays very calm during fights. He's sharp out of the gate. Throws basically everything with big power. Uh, he's a, he looks to fight in spots. He's like, he doesn't like maintain a regular pace. He's a very tricky guy that maintains an uneven rhythm. Uh, he selects very carefully what exchanges to get into. And he has very good eye for openings. Uh, he has strong calf kicks and right hands on the open space. And that's what he... He does a lot of damage with, uh, but he's very opportunistic. He will land knees, elbows during transitions. He he can find left hooks. He can go for takedowns. Uh, he's a very well-rounded fighter that can do it all. He's very smart. He just doesn't like maintain a a steady pace. But and during exchanges, when it comes to defense, uh, he he's not very. He doesn't have like a very deep defensive system. But he has like very good distancing and awareness, so it's very hard to catch him or like drag him into exchanges that he doesn't want to. And one of the few fighters that have been able to do that is his opponent, Moreno. So let's talk about Moreno now. Uh, he fights out of a very long stance. Um, he tried to not do that on his last fight against Kaikar France, so interesting to see that moving forward. Moreno fights mostly behind a very long jab, like he's deceptively long. He can step into it and make it even longer. Uh, he hooks off the jab often, that's one of his his best weapons. And he has like super quick hands and puts together combinations, especially dangerous when he goes to the body. He attacks the body from both, both sides and finishes upstairs. And he's also like very tricky, like hiding like, roundhouse kicks behind his punches. And he's a solid kicker, especially when he caught uh, Kaikar France like moving backwards with the kick. So yeah, he, he knows where to place kicks. And also like very tricky with going to the head, going to the bo uh, to the body. He can kick hard on all three on all three targets. Uh, Moreno also has like a very good reactive body lock takedown. Very strong and good good timing on that one. He just like catches very strong, like double underhooks. Towards his opponent goes to the to the ground. And he's a very good grappler. Especially the back take has been his winning card in a lot of fights. Very dangerous. He takes the back super, super fast, and he's very out. He's also very fast at closing the show with the rear naked choke. Uh, this is a fight that we've seen too many times already. Uh, it's two like high level fighters match it up well physically and technically. I would say overall Moreno has a better process, but Fig is 
it's better moment to moment, which is curious because on the last fight, like Figgy, you can tell like under under Sehudo came with, like with a more defined like uh, game plan, and Moreno was more like like vibing, but you can still tell that Moreno is a guy that that likes to put together his stuff, and Fig is a fighter that trusts uh, his his abilities, his talent, and being dangerous to win fights. I think Figueredo like cleanly won the their last encounter and should be favored to win this one. But I can I can check this feeling, man, that he's been looking more and more fragile with each encounter. Moreno looked just fine on his last fight against Carl France. And I get the feeling that we already seen the best from, from Davison. I think both guys are capable of hurting each other. I think Fig is more consistent about finding the right spots to hurt Moreno, but Moreno seems to not need a small margins. Like he needs to do less to hurt Figueredo because he, the the chin is not as good as it used to be. Uh, Fig just like hurts Moreno because Fig hits super hard and find clean clean shots. But I think Moreno has the better chin for sure at this stage. Fig should win should win this one, but I'm taking my chance picking Moreno here to win again. I think he will hurt and finish Fioredo like he did on the second one. I don't know. I, I just get this feeling not really not really sure why. As I told you, I think the most logical thing is to favor to favor Figueredo, but I'm going Moreno by submission on the third round. And we finally go to the main event. The vacant light heavyweight title on the line. Glover Teixeira versus Yamaha Hill. To Glover. It's all about the overhand and the left hook on the feet, especially the left hook is like his best punch. Uh, he's not afraid to kick the body, especially against Salpos. Uh, the backbone of his game is the single leg. He can run the pipe, he can elevate the leg, can trip. He can even go to deep half if the fighter like tries to put his weight over him. Uh, once he gets to top position because he's a good scrambler, He's smothering, steady and heavy ground and pound. He passes uh, guard super well. Uh, the go-to finishes are the is the arm triangle, especially when he can set up uh, passing from half guard into the mount, or with ground and pound off the mount. He's also like has a wicked guillotine, has good back control, especially if he flattens his opponent. Uh, he can like just pound him out or find the rear naked choke. That's how he won the title. That's how he finished Anthony Smith at the end. And the challenger, and the, both are the challenger. There's no champion here. Uh, the other fighter is Hill. He's athletic. He fights from a very long stance. He changes stances, but he's mostly a salpa that looks to jab on the outside, then looks for the counter for the right check hook on the counter, and the overhand leg against fighters that are like circling on the outside. He likes to play. Uh, he likes to pressure to make the his opponents like either to, they have to choose to either lead, where he looks for the for the counter check hook, or they circle and he looks to track them down with the with the straight left or the overhand. Uh, he faints a lot and kicks, and that allows him to maintain initiative on most of his fights. Uh, he has big power, but also like wears people down during the course of the fights. Uh, he can rough people up on the clinch. You know, with knees, with small punches, and he likes uh, to go to the body a lot if they get into pocket exchanges. That's how he beat Ovin and Prue. Uh, Hill has been susceptible to takedowns in the past, but he seems very aware about immediately scrambling back to his feet. Uh, he usually gets back to his feet by pushing off the hits and, and turtling, or grabbing like underhooks from half guard. That's like both his go-to. I think the flaws of Hill play directly into Glover's hands. Like he has been taken down by lots of wrestlers, Thiago Santos, for example, and by single legs, nonetheless. Uh, and both his methods of getting up, I said, the underhook and the turtling, both are good for Glover because Glover can just like take the back or or use his strong passing against a guy that's looking to to underhook from from half guard. And then from top position, I'm not sure Hill can escape. I mean, Glover super heavy. Uh, what Hill has going on in this fight is, is patience, durability, gas tank, and power that he can carry late. That's are the things. Uh, Hill is not dynamic as Jerry. 
and probably won't make Glover like work as hard, so do not expect Glover to be as tired. But he probably can give less opportunities for Glover for for entries for takedowns because he's more patient and has like a better process than Jiri. And I think he's better equipped to take advantage if he hurts Glover because he likes to go to the body, because he likes to take his time even though he can be wild at times. I don't know. I think uh, Jungle Grover is straight up bad matchup for Hill. And he almost cleared a, a, hard, a harder challenge than this one in Jiri, but he did not. It's hard to trust Glover after so many years and getting hurt so so often in fights. Even in his last fight, in his last two fights, he looked good. He did look hurt as easy. He had good good cardio, but I don't know, man. I think I wouldn't be surprised uh, seeing Hill tapping out or getting stopped by ground pound. But if I had to choose, I'm picking I'm picking Jamal Hill, third round knockout. And that's it. That's the whole pay per view. Um, the matchmaking is very solid. At some some what the fuck moments, like for example, I don't know if Robocop got like uh, a late replacement. I think he did, but yeah, that's that's a weird fight to have. And um, the Thiago Moises fight is a bit weird too. But other than that, fighters to watch on this one. Uh, I think the opener, uh, Daniel Marcos versus Simon Oliveira. If you want to see like new people. Uh, that's going to be a fun fight for sure. Um, Terence McKinney versus Bonfim is going to slap unless like McKinney gets immediately a takedown, but that's going to be a good fight. Seaman versus Lacerda should be good for sure. Uh, Gabriel Bonfim versus Munir Lasses, uh, not super high level, but should be fun because these guys are going to bank and they're going to bank hard so. You, you're probably going to enjoy that. The Thiago Moises versus Costa fight should be a lot of fun too. Robocop versus a fellow banger, gotta be fun. Uh, do not watch the Shogun fight. Uh, then there's the meme fight. And I guess you can watch the two main ones for the titles. And that's it. So, yeah, I think that's the whole thing. Uh, I'm Fenyo, signing out.